A quick note on content. This podcast discusses sensitive issues, including abortion. Part of learning and talking about sex more openly is that it can help a person have safe sex. Talking about safe sex doesn't have to be awkward. In fact, it is normal and necessary when having sex with other people. Part of having a healthy relationship is to be able to discuss safe sex. This includes talking about contraception to prevent unplanned pregnancies and talking about getting tested or treated for sexually transmitted infections, or STIs. It is important to remember that if you want to speak to a doctor, any information you share with a doctor is confidential, which means only you and the doctor know what you talked about. So guests, what's your understanding of safe sex? I got a personal experience to share here. I was the ones that used to think of we are using condoms and that's fine. At the end, like condoms still got like risk to getting pregnancy as well. So that's when I tried to explore more. So I was thinking like, oh, maybe condom is not enough. So it's not only your partner's responsibility to use their condoms as well. So I was taking like, some responsibilities as well. So I tried to find out like, oh, I could use like, other contraception methods as well to protect us, to protect us from like any STI or STD as well. So any sexual disease or like any planned pregnancy as well. So I think that's like a safe sex and they both ways our responsibility together as well. I found that many people think that it's okay not to wear protection and after the sex, it's okay to use the medicine to control and also to prevent the risk of pregnancy. And until today, although the sex education will develop, the misconception is still a common sense in most people's mind. I heard that some of my friends, mostly their male friends, so they would wear like condoms for several times. They repeated doing that. And also I heard that they got not only reused them, but also they would be doubling up. So they think like oh, d- no. doubling up, <laughs> they think doubling up is more safer as well. So that's kind of like a bridge in between the lack of um, sexual information that they have been educated on as well. Um, and there have been like misunderstanding and rumors in the internet. So that's where they learn those kind of like secure methods are. We have to teach them in some ways that it's not going to work. So I would tell them like it's not going to work if that's the case. Yeah. I want to add one more challenge just like to not particularly to international students, but to um, the ones that they got lack of information of sex. They only know like the process of sex. They don't really know like what include in sex as well. So at some point like sex could be include like mouth to private part as well. So they don't really know that part counts. And then they just know that, oh, I have to wear condoms and we have to do sex and then that's it. So they could prevent. But like they don't really know, oh, maybe we should take shower beforehand. So if I use like other body parts to touch your private part, there could be a sexual transmitted ways as well. So they don't really know. To me, sex is something that it's complicated. So it's not a procedure. It's not step by step saying that like we are now going to kids and we're now going to do oral sex and then we're going to penis to vagina. It's not the process. And there's nothing that's saying that like it's a specific endpoint as well. So it's not going to be like, oh, the male has go- going to a climax, so that's an end. That could be not. So that could be like you guys doing like oral sex and then that's it. So it's kind of like depends on person and depends to each time as well. So maybe today I just want to have like 
oral sex tomorrow I want to have it like till we both have climax so it really depends on that as well and one of the most important thing is to know that if you're having oral sex and then you are having penis to vagina sex and then anal sex you have to change condoms in between you cannot use the same condom for oral sex and then anal sex and then penis to vagina so you have to use different a separate condom every time you initiate a new sexual activity and uh, just uh, in addition to adding to support uh, Kaiwa's like a point of view for changing the condom in different like uh, period of sex i think it's uh, also important to develop the common sense in the sex for example you can like uh, describe in the process as like uh, you processing the food every time you for example for the chicken cooking you always need to change a different uh, gloves for processing the raw chicken and uh, the cooked chicken and also transfer to the kitchen also you need to change your gloves Possession in the trash bin is uh, just a common sense you need to develop through the practice and also through the knowledge. That's a great analogy. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Very clever. A lot of food analogies. So, um, for the consent part, it's not saying that like yes to the oral sex, but it's not only not not an implied ones to the sexual intercourse as well. So at some point, consent could be like I asking you like, do you want to have sex? And I tell like yes. Then that could be like a verbal one. So it's sometimes it's not going to be black and white. Sometimes it could be just like nodding heads. It could be like just hugging as well. So it's not going to be like that obvious to see. But if you saw like your partner is going to be unhappy, or if they strictly say no, so you should just like stop at the time as well. So when you're having sex, and we can actually add to who is chicken example that consent is like. I can be okay with eating fried chicken, but I might not be okay with eating boiled one. So if I'm eating, if I'm saying yes to eating fried chicken, it does not imply that I am going to say yes to eating boiled chicken as well. It's similar to doing different sexual activity. For example, if I'm okay with oral sex, I might not be okay with anal sex. I might not be okay with penis to vagina sex. So consent is not the one time thing it's not in black and white it's not that once i said like if i have said yes in the beginning it implies that i am going to, i'm okay with everything till the end it's not like that Se- consent is important at the beginning of every sexual activity and even during that process if i'm not feeling comfortable you can say no and you can take back your consent For many people, using contraception is a safe way to prevent unplanned pregnancies and sexually transmitted infections like chlamydia and gonorrhea. There are so many options out there that it can be quite overwhelming. First, you have short-acting reversible contraceptives, which are contraceptives that don't last very long, including the pill, the vaginal ring, internal condoms, which are placed inside the vagina, and external condoms, which are placed on the penis. External condoms are also known as male condoms. Condoms which are placed on the penis are very effective at preventing unplanned pregnancies and sexually transmitted infections if used properly each time. Condoms are sometimes called barrier contraceptive and you can buy these at pharmacies including the Monash pharmacy at the campus center or even at your local grocery store. Then there are also the long-acting reversible contraceptives. The Depo injection, which lasts about three months, Implanon, which lasts about three years, and the intrauterine device or IUD, which lasts between five to ten years. There are two forms of IUDs. There is the hormonal IUD called the Marina, 
And then there's the non-hormonal ID called the copper ID. So as you can see, there are many, many options out there, but to help you decide which one best works for you, it's a good idea to go see a doctor. If you had unprotected sex or your contraceptive didn't work, then it's best to get an emergency contraceptive pill from a pharmacy as soon as you can. You don't need to go see a doctor first, but you may have to answer some questions asked by the pharmacist for safety reasons. An important note though, emergency contraception should not be used as an everyday contraceptive method, only in emergencies. So what are your options if someone has unprotected sex and they were worried about unwanted pregnancies? Oh, I got a friend. So it's not like unwanted or unprotected sex. They're using condoms, but like the condoms has been broken when the guy is going to climax. And then she just called me and then we said like we got to go for the emergency pills. So we're going for like a 24-hour pharmacy to get an emergency pill. So what we have to bring is like our passport to show that we are like over 18. And then we don't, pretty much we don't need to get a prescription. We just tell what's going to happen. And then we fill it in a form. Fill in the form like when are our last time to have like sex and everything. And then the pharmacists were going to talk to us saying that like uh, what is the and explain a bit what's how it's going to work as well and then after that she just get the pill and then she just have it and then because she's like a bit nervous I think and then a bit like uncomfortable with that so she form it again so uh, we have to purchase it and the pill and then to take it again as well so that's like what I have been like been through with the girls when not really unplanned at once but like it's some in some cases, it's just getting like accidents sometimes, I think. And I would say that emergency contraception should not be used every day as an everyday contraception method. And you, you have to be really careful that it can only like you can only use it during emergencies. And for a more regular contraception method, you can explore other methods like barrier methods, which include female and male condoms and then contraceptive pills and other methods. Emergency contraceptive pill, you have to take it within 72 hours of, of doing unprotected sex or if in case you're condoms broke so the timeline is really important so you have to take within 72 hours as an international student has anyone ever gotten um, a checkup for an sdi for a sexual health problem for example so for me as an international student i do sdi checks like for every year so i completed once they got several types as well so do ask your practitioner for any of those ones that you're comfortable with with your ohsxc they're all being covered they're all being bulk billed as well bulk bill depends on your medical center as well so at monash university medical center they did all bulk bill once I'm using University Alliance one, I got friends using, I personally using the NIB ones as well. So they got multiple of OSHC agencies that they could do bulk bills or else you have to pay and then after all you could re-end bills. So it's like a full coverage one on that one. And it's quite quickly to get those results in as well. So usually it's like five working days to a week. So you could just review your report as well. So it's quite convenient and it's quite simple as well. You could choose to do your format it's not requiring taking bloods at some point so it's pretty good for sti checks although it is recommended to get tested at least once a year if you are sexually active but in some situations for example if, if the condom breaks you have a new sexual partner you experience unusual symptoms you should get tested as soon as possible some sti such as chlamydia gonorrhea do not present as symptoms so if you have unprotected sex or if you have 
experienced one of these situations, I would suggest to get tested as soon as possible. Also, an STI check is very simple and fast. In most cases, it's simple urine swab or blood test. That is, and in some cases, that's all what is needed. Yeah, and uh, some of my friends they will like uh, do it maybe like a uh, half yearly because uh, the the activities they conduct, but uh, it's not compulsory. But I would strongly suggest uh, you pay close attention to it and uh, be self-aware. I got a friend doing swab tests with STI check, which he's a male friend of mine. So they were just saying that like the swab is has to get into the hole of the penis, so it would be like quite weird as well. He has to do the swab because his partner got chlamydia, so which is like it's like asymptomatic, no symptoms at all. They just got like a bit of flu symptoms at that time. They don't really know what's going to happen, so they both going to the doctors, and then his girlfriend got chlamydia, and then he has to do.、Swab. For my advice to like all other people who is going to do like STI checks, you might want to get a doctor with the same sex or like a preferred sex that you want to as well. So it could be like less embarrassed as well. If you are doing STI checks on the Melbourne Sexual Health Centre, so they got free ones. And when you are doing it with any of your GPs or any of your doctors, so feel free to discuss not only the process, not only the things that you are going to do for STI checks. You could also discuss on like contraception method, anything that you are concerned with your sexual health as well. Because in here they concern not only your physical health but also your sexual health, like your emotional health as well. And I would like to add that、um, even if you are confused. Just book an appointment with your GP or university clinic or Melbourne Sexual Health Centre. Have a chat with the doctor. Explain what you are thinking, what you have, if you have unprotected sex, and have a chat with the doctor and discuss your options. And then go for the test if you feel comfortable. And also on their website, you can find a lot of resources such as procedures, guidelines, fact sheets about different STIs. So I think it, it's worth. Having a look on those fact sheets, and an important note as well for international students: anything that you share with your doctor remains confidential, so no one else will know except for you and your doctor. It will also not affect your visa status or your enrollment at Monash University. Now, abortion refers to the termination of pregnancy, which is most commonly done in the first trimester or the first twelve weeks. Also done in second semester, weeks twelve to twenty-four. And rarely in the third trimester, 24 to 40 weeks, it is perfectly legal to be done in Victoria. And there are two different types of abortion. Firstly, there's the surgical termination of abortion, which is a low-risk procedure that's normally done in the first 12 weeks of pregnancy. It involves a process called a suction aspiration or suction curette, and involves removing the lining and contents of the uterus. This is a day procedure under local anaesthetic. Then there's the medical abortion. This is also a low-risk, non-surgical procedure. This procedure involves taking the abortion pill, or mifepristin. There are other pills, but this is the most commonly used form of pill in many clinics in Australia, and it is up to 98% effective when used in the first nine weeks of pregnancy. This method involves having an ultrasound, talking to a doctor, nurse, and counselor. After the consultation, you will take mifepristin tablets at the clinic and then go home. After 36 to 48 hours later, you have to take the second dose of tablets. You can experience a miscarriage of your pregnancy one to 24 hours later. To learn more about these services, contact your local doctor or other services we've mentioned today, like Family Planning Victoria, 1800 My Options, 
or Marie Stopes Australia. Do you want to add any information that you think international students should be aware of regarding an unplanned pregnancy? So the statistics suggest that one in four women worldwide will have an abortion at some time in their life. So the chances are we all know someone who has had an abortion. And a really good resource for hearing people's real life experiences is the website say I had one too. So it's an online platform where people have shared their real life stories and also how public perceptions and laws impact these choices. So it's a good resource to have a look at and go through the stories which women from all around the world have shared and also it's a good platform to listen connect with other people who have gone through or experienced the same thing which you might be experiencing or have experienced in past oh i got a friend who had done abortion before she was an international student and then she was a bit afraid of like would it be affected her visa or doing anything about that so at the end we checked through all the facilities they're saying that like it remains confidential and we won't affect her visa as well and we don't really know that in fact OSHC has covered at that time it's covered full coverage for her abortion so I don't know whether it's like still going to be it now as well so we have done going through those process and then they have getting supported with the Melbourne Sexual Health Centre as well so they have been referred her to the counsellor services and then going to give her like ongoing support for abortion as well so thinking of like abortion is not something that really scares to me and also my friends as well. So abortion can be highly stressful and expensive for international students and the price and cost will depend on their OSHC plan and how long they have been in Australia because most plans do not cover pregnancy for 12 months. So some some clinics can bill your provider while others might charge you out of pocket fee. And I would suggest to contact 1800 My Options on 1800-696-784. It's a Victorian phone line for information about contraception, abortion and sexual health services available throughout Victoria. And it's free, non-judgmental and confidential service. And they have ex- really experienced staff. And you can just give them a call and they can con- refer you to a service which is closer to you or maybe affordable, depending on your status. I think it's also important to note that when people talk about abortion, we always think of the surgical abortion, Then, but there also is the medical abortion. And this is a very low-risk non-surgical procedure. And this procedure, person only needs to take an abortion pill or a medication. And that that is not as scary, I suppose, as the surgical abortion that we all are familiar with. All right, well, thank you very much to our guests, Kanwal, Sarah, and Hui. We wish to acknowledge and thank our guest speakers today, Kanwal, Sarah, and Hui, who have generously given up their time today to share their lived experiences and expertise. Thank you to Fiona Marshall, Ritmi Dolomua, Wendy Blastock, Gina Seraciotis, and Jesslyn Lan for working behind the scenes and providing their input to make this podcast possible. Special thanks to Thomas Lidgewood from Radio Monash who kindly let us use their recording studio and for providing much needed technical assistance.